Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Jenny Rooney at Adweek. It's, it's great to have everybody here. I'm here today with a special uh, edition of our CMO Moves podcast. We have three special guests joining us for a conversation about sustainability and the new report Mainstream Green. We're going to be talking with these individuals uh, about how CMOs need to be thinking about sustainability efforts. Uh, we'll be talking with BCG um, and talking through how we need to build awareness uh, to the Mainstream Green Action Plan. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce my panelists, Brad Jakeman, Lauren Taylor, and Jose Gorbea. Welcome, everybody. Hey, Jenny. Hey, Jenny. Thank you. Good to see Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks for being here. Of, of course. Thanks for being here. I'm excited about this conversation. Uh, there's been so much work that's been going on um, regarding this initiative, and so this is sort of our opportunity to unpack it a little bit and have you all share your, your expertise and your perspectives on this and why this is so important. I'd love for each of you to introduce yourselves, um, just talk a little bit about um, you know, the organizations you're with and your involvement in this uh, initiative. So, Brad. I'll start with you. Thanks, Jenny, and hi, everyone. It's great to be here. Um, my name is Brad Jakeman. Um, I'm a senior advisor at uh, BCG, and in addition to that, I'm the co-founder of Rethink Food, which is a VC that uh, focuses on investing in technologies that reduce the impact of the food system on climate and the environment. Fantastic. Lauren. I'm Lauren Taylor. I'm a managing director and partner with BCG, and I lead our work in customer-centric sustainability which is the intersection of growth strategy and customer centricity with climate and sustainability. Fantastic. And Jose. Hi, Jenny. And last but not least. <laughs> Hi, Jenny. Hi, Brad. Hi, Lauren. A pleasure to be here. Uh, I'm the Global Head of Brands and Sustainability Innovation at HP Graphic Arts based out of Barcelona. I'm a bit of a hybrid in the world of marketing and sustainability as I leverage a career of 20 years in marketing across big FMCG brands before jumping to tech and technology with HP. So we're going to talk a little bit about how that is enabling mainstream green and making that accessible and inspiring, hopefully, to everyone. Fantastic. Well, thank you all. Uh, you know, Adweek partnered with the A&A and Sustainable Brands to create the CMO Sustainability Accelerator. Um, which I'm dubbing CSA here. Um, over the last six months, BCG joined us in our efforts supporting CMOs to work to increase sustainable practices. I'd love for each of you to talk through this a little bit. Um, talk about your role in this partnership. Lauren, perhaps you could kick it off. Absolutely. So BCG has always been really excited and committed to climate and sustainability 
it's one of our top priorities. And as the CMO Sustainability Accelerator team of the Association of National Advertisers, Adweek, and Sustainable Brands came to us looking for us to help add some thought leadership and to really uh, power this partnership of bringing sustainability into the marketing agenda, where I think there's a ton of opportunity for growth. Because we all know as marketers, we think about how can we continue to drive growth and where is the voice of the customer in that? So now it's pointing that towards sustainability to really drive both growth and good for the environment as well as for our companies. Great, Brad. Maybe you can build on that. Yeah, no, I was uh, very excited when uh, Lauren and the BCG team invited me in because um, I spent a big chunk of my career uh, leading brands, uh, big global brands, and uh, for a company like PepsiCo, where sustainability was really at the, at the center of our growth strategy. Um, and the challenge was that there weren't frameworks that we could uh, rely on as uh, brand leaders to really understand, as Lauren said earlier, that intersection between sustainability and growth um, and how to position our brands in a way that was authentic and meaningful to consumers for whom sustainability is becoming increasingly important in their choice matrix. Yeah, I mean, I think that's so important, Brad. Obviously, you bring that that practitioner lens, you know, as a marketing leader yourself um, for so many years. And I just think this combination of expertise that you all represent in this is extraordinary. And and that leads to my uh, turning it over to you, Jose. Talk a little bit about your involvement um, and certainly from, from your position as a marketer, uh, why you feel this is so important. Well, I think there are different factors that we're going to talk about today. So first of all, thank you for having us. And uh, thank you for, you know, being part of this initiative and this journey. For me, at the beginning of the journey, it is about leading a marketing evolution around how brands can tell stories that make sustainability accessible, simple, and inspiring to adopt to anyone in our planet. I think for me, you know, I hear a lot of conversations on sustainability being, you know, hard to get, hard to do, hard to understand, more premium than, than base offerings that brands have in the market. But I think in the end, what we have learned through what we've done at HP and through the, the Sustainability Accelerator Initiative powered by BCG is that if you make it simple and easy to adopt and create frameworks for consumers to be part of, you can win. And at the same time, not only be more sustainable, but create more effective marketing. Yep. Can I ask before we go deeper, can we just define what we're what we mean by sustainability for the for the purposes of this conversation? Because I do think that there are different def- definitions or perhaps there might be different um, interpretations of that word. So any of you could just sort of chime in and, and share the working definition for sustainability as we're using it. Lauren, do you want to jump in there and I'll piggyback on you? Absolutely. There's obviously quite a breadth from an ESG perspective, but specifically here, we're talking about environmental impact. Yeah, so obviously that's, yeah, go ahead, Brad. And look, there's lots of different ways um, that uh, brands can have an impact on the environment. If I go back to my old world, for instance, um, you have what impact the ingredients and the ingredient uh, farming has on the environment all the way through to um, single-use plastic packaging um, and how that impacts landfill, water pollution, 
and then the greenhouse gas emissions that happen through the entire make, ship and sell process. So we think of sustainability, as Lauren was saying, centered around the environment, but within that kind of a multi-impact um, uh, view of, of that. So obviously, this sustainability is something that all business leaders are, are thinking about. Um, specific to the marketing agenda, you know, where do you feel like these need to dovetail? And obviously, that's what all of this is about. But obviously, this is also a, um, you know, a, a real um, blueprint for, for moving forward. But taking it back a notch real quick for people who are, you know, for listeners who are like, just solve that riddle for me around marketing's marketing specifically its role in this sustainability priority. Brad, perhaps you can kind of start there because obviously it's been something that's talked about a lot, but obviously it's gaining so much momentum and focus. Um, yeah, and it, what's really interesting and um, I found to be revelatory actually in the work that BCG did on Mainstream Green and the research that underpins Mainstream Green is that we've heard for a long time and we have seen for a long time popping up in our research that the environment is increasingly becoming an important consideration for consumers as they choose um, the goods and services that they buy. I mean, we invest at Rethink Food in a company called Planet Forward, which helps companies identify at a skew level the, um, the greenhouse gas emissions and the impact that, that that particular product has on the environment. So we're seeing that more and more. What was fascinating about the BCG work, and I think fascinating to marketers, is that when you actually go back and ask those consumers after they've bought um, the products and services that they've bought across a range of categories, what their drivers of choice were, you still see the, the major category drivers still be very, very important. And so that's to say, as we think about how we position our sustainability story to consumers, we have to do it in the context of the things that are already key drivers of choice and reframe those around a sustainability lens. So, because Lauren, obviously, I mean, all marketers, I mean, their roles are to drive business, not just brand, but business growth, right? So this has to be an all-inclusive priority because um, you can't sort of extract it out, especially when you're thinking about identifying um, you know, levers in terms of consumer choice. Talk about how that needs to be, you know, really baked into everything um, that marketing is doing as it moves forward. Exactly. And I think about that in two ways. There is often this, there's a business imperative of how do we grow? And there is a sustainability imperative for many companies of how do we actually meet our commitments? And ultimately, in order to make both of those true, we need massive consumer change. From all of the research that we've done, we understand that the vast majority, 80% or so, it varies across categories and markets of consumers are concerned about sustainability, but frankly, they're also disillusioned and they're not necessarily prioritizing sustainability, to Brad's point, in their day-to-day -day decisions. It's at most 15% who are actually saying sustainability is one of their top drivers of choice when they are forced to make trade-offs and less than 7% who are paying a premium for it. And so in order to find that intersection, to, we really need to drive growth by creating sustainable choices for all consumers, which means starting with the data on what consumers actually want, as well as their real and perceived barriers, starting with 
what are our needs? Are you looking for value? Are you looking for durability? Are you looking for trendiness? And then how can I solve for how to make that sustainable rather than the other way around? That's ultimately what we're talking about with mainstream green. It's the opportunity to make sustainability the growth strategy and not a trade-off. So it's a win for customers, a win for financials, a win for the environment. Love that. Love that. That's um, easier said than done. But I mean, that's why you you all are doing this important work. Uh, you know, and even the name itself, Mainstream Green, you know what I mean? That's like kind of hammering home the fact that, well, I'll let you answer that. You know, why why do you, why did you pick that word? Those are very intentional words, I'm sure. Absolutely. It's because we need to actually meet the masses. While I, I just don't think that we'll achieve our collective climate objectives with operational changes and supply chain optimization alone. Very important, of course, but we have to actually get the majority of consumers to want the sustainable choice, which unfortunately I don't believe is going to be just by growing that group of consumers who are prioritizing sustainability. So many of us have to make trade-offs between budget and other things. And while perhaps the, from our research, the cost premium and ultimately the price premium is less than people expect. Consumers tend to overstate that. It's still, at the moment, in many categories, a premium. So how do we expect people to make that trade-off? But for example, did you know that washing your clothes in cold water saves the vast majority of energy and is better for your clothes' longevity? To To the average consumer, that's actually cheaper. And that's the key point, right? It saves heating water, which is also then good for the environment and still does a great job cleaning with the right products. So it's it's those things of if a consumer is solving for value, how do we make that work in a sustainable way and message and market it that way rather than saying you should wash in cold water because that's better for the environment, which if an average consumer doesn't understand how it's better for them as well, it might just not be their priority. And if I may build on that. Jose, can you talk a little bit about oh, yes. your, Yeah. Would love you. No, too. absolutely. So I, I just wanted to be, build on what Lauren was saying. I think uh, we want to make people feel they are not alone in this journey because sometimes sustainability can be daunting. You know, a lot of people ask questions around how do I get started? How can I help? And I think if there's something I've learned out of this journey and before it, you know, being a, a valued member of sustainable brands as well, is this mindset of regeneration. I think uh, coming back to your question, Jenny, on you know what is the marketer's responsibility behind this initiative, is to create this mindset to regenerate the world around us. Because you know, just for the price of existing, we will have a footprint on this planet. It's unavoidable. But if we have a mindset of giving back to the planet and not just limiting our footprint in it, I think it starts there. You know, creating that consciousness internally in the organization, then externally through the communities that brands want to to play with uh, regarding our environment, I think we're going to be in a much better position, you know, five, 10 years down the road, uh, if we are able to to make that happen and create that that mindset that is so important. I think that we're going into obviously a pretty tough, it, and Lauren, you referenced this even in just the con- concept of you know, the myth of trade-offs, right? That sustainability, um, choosing sustainable products is necessarily more expensive and sort of having to sort of, um, through our messaging and through the narrative, um, defeat some of those myths. Um, but we are going into tough economic times. We have been living in tough economic times. Obviously, next year, this year holds um, even even greater um, challenges. 
how do you think marketers need to be thinking about prior maintaining the priority on this, even as um, things get tougher? Um, you know, what we don't want to have happen, obviously, is this falls by the wayside because of um, the other, frankly, the other issues that uh, marketers might be grappling with. And uh, Brad, Lauren would love for either of you to chime in on that. Yeah, look, I think there we're going to see um, the, the trends and movements that Lauren talked about and that we discovered in the BCG research only accelerate. I mean, people are going to be less um, uh, less prepared to trade off on price in particular, but also functionality of the products and services that they buy in favor of sustainability. I mean, consumers have long been a, a group that has demanded to have their cake and eat it too, to use that old expression. Um, but sustainability is not going to be an or for consumers anymore. It's going to be an and. And I think we have to figure out a way to engineer it into our product innovation, into our, uh, our brand messaging in a way that allows consumers, as, as Lauren said earlier, to get the full functional um, benefits that you would expect from any uh, purchase in a category and get sustainability along with that as well. I mean, I, I, we often use the example of electric cars that have been around for a long, long time. But up until recently, if you wanted to drive an electric car, you had to trade off size. Typically, they were smaller. You had to trade off how far, so, so you couldn't take your whole family. They weren't great for families. Um, you, they weren't particularly great to look at. So you had to trade off design and they didn't go very far. So you had to trade off kind of the core functionality of a vehicle, which is to get you from point A to point B. And then along came um, Tesla and, um, and others who started solving for all of those things. So all of a sudden I can get those core benefits of, um, of, of that I use to choose cars from and be sustainable in those choices as well. Yep. Lauren, thoughts additionally? I fully agree with everything that Brad said. And I, I think the challenge is no different than at any other time. Maybe consumers' needs change, but fundamentally we've seen there's still always this diversity of consumer needs across markets and categories and across different consumer and occasion segments, different drivers of demand. And so what we have to do is, is do the work to understand what are those drivers of choice and what are they for your target consumers and occasions for any given company? And then where do we find that? In Brad's example of auto, that is, there are some people who want their vehicle to be trendy. Tesla made electric vehicles trendy. There are some who may want it to be fast or sporty or a good value. Now there are less expensive electric vehicles. What are all of those different, we would call them demand spaces, that we can insert sustainability into? And where is sustainability a tiebreaker versus where is it something we actually have to remove a perceived barrier? And some people might think of sustainability as a trade-off, as in, you know, if if the product is sustainable, maybe it's alternative protein, it might not be as good. It won't taste as good. So how do we say, well, actually, there's some innovation and that's not necessarily true anymore? I know that another great example of this, uh, Jenny, is plant-based meat. Um, 
So we've all heard about the amazing innovation in plant-based meat, um, which is an area that we focus on in Rethink Food. But in order to participate in that category and to, to, to uh, reduce the effect that your consumption is having on the environment, um, you've had to trade off on taste and price. And there's only a small amount of consumers, namely kind of vegans and, and vegetarians, which represent a small population um, in North America that are prepared to make a trade-off like that. And so as we think about um, popularizing plant-based meat consumption, we have to solve for those core drivers of choice being primarily taste and secondarily price. You know, it's so funny you mentioned that example because whether it's that category or any other, I can see like once a brand gets it right, oh my gosh, I mean, skyrocket, right? Like I know the brand of plant-based meat that I, it's my go-to now because the taste is phenomenal. And so, you know, just putting my, putting my consumer hat on, I feel good and I make that choice every day, but man, they, 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 they won my vote. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's going to take a lot for a competitor to now uh, shift me over or let me try another one. It's a very competitive space because if you can get those two to interconnect, you've got loyal customers big time. Absolutely. So, exactly. Absolutely. And, and building on that example where I think it's cool is there's, you know, we know there are both real and perceived barriers, as I've spoken about. And some of those are, are ones we need to mentally remove and help consumers understand. Some of those are things we need to continue to innovate against. I think in alternative proteins and alternative meat, we've removed a lot of barriers to make the products equal in many cases. Where I think there's still opportunity is how do you make it even objectively better to meet consumers' core needs? And I think, for example, alternative dairy, alternative milks have actually done that. So there is a health benefit. You could say almond milk, et cetera, it's lactose-free Maybe it's actually better for me and tastes good and is available, et cetera. That's where I want us to keep innovating and where we really need marketers to lean in with their skill set is how do we take that knowledge of what customers want and infuse it into all the parts of the business, into our innovation pipeline, into how we speak about things, into our overall portfolio strategy. Actually, building on that, Lauren, one, uh, sorry, I, I just wanted to build on that because I, I worked uh, many, many years in the health and wellness arena, uh, developing different, you know, biscuit and cracker brands in this space. And in the end, one of the key learnings from consumers was that they were never wanting to compromise on taste. Even if it's better for you, it has to taste great, you know, as a primary driver of choice. If that doesn't happen, then even if it's better for you, as you were saying, Jenny, with the, you know, a protein-based uh, meat and uh, vegan, you know, type of diets, it's hard. It's hard for people to make that choice if you're not delivering on the core benefits of what is what is expected in any given product or, or, or category. So, Jose, let, let's talk a little bit more about examples or case studies of how we've seen this play out, uh, whether, you know, in your own experience or other brands and businesses that you've seen execute well against this priority. And I'm also particularly interested to see how all of this um, 
manifests on the B2B side and how, how B2B companies also need to be thinking about this priority? That's a great question. Let me start with a story first. So we've been working with a client of ours called Incapto Coffee. And Incapto Coffee was created in Southern Europe about three years ago, right before the pandemic. And they have a mission and their mission is basically to remove coffee capsules from the planet because we all love the convenience of drinking a coffee at the touch of a button. However, it has an impact on our planet, you know, from a packaging waste perspective. So they decided to create this business and it has become in just three years the fastest growing coffee brand in Europe. And how they've done that is just by enabling consumers to make a sustainable choice by signing up to this service and having a coffee experience at the touch of a button that doesn't require a capsule. And they they invest a lot, not only in the education of where the coffee comes from, but on the impact you have as an individual human being by changing over from a capsulated coffee to a non-capsulated coffee offer. Actually, did you know that a human being can consume in its lifetime up to 40,000 coffee capsules? It's a lot. So if you make that change, it's pretty easy to quantify the impact you create in the planet just as a single human being. And, and the problem is big. You know, there are 60 billion coffee capsules out there going out there every single year in our planet. And most of them end up in landfill. So this is a company that has been, you know, reaping the benefits of doing better printing on their packaging through what we provide them with at HP. But not only that, it's enabling consumers to make that sustainable choice and just make it easy, make it easy for them to switch over. And hopefully they won't go back to the other offer. I love that. I love that. I love that example. Um, any other examples anybody else wants to throw out of things you've seen that have been super effective? I was actually just going to build on on Jose's example, which I think is an interesting one, especially where we can say, are those coffee capsules fresher? Are they you know longer lasting? What are the different things that are not only having this huge impact on the environment, but they're also actually objectively better at meeting customers' needs for coffee. And that's what I think is so cool. I just wanted to circle down on the second part of your question, Jenny, which is how you activate this in the B2B space, which was the other part that you asked about. And I think the B2B space needs to have transparency in terms of how you have an impact across the whole value chain. It's not only about the marketing story that gets created from the brand to its community, it's about creating supply chain transparency, you know, where the product comes from, how is it produced, how is it manufactured, are all the players in the ecosystem playing their part in regenerating our environment so that that product, let's say in Capto Coffee, gets to your doorstep in the most sustainable way. So by creating that visibility in the ecosystem, you kind of rally the troops from a B2B perspective, get everybody involved and actively participating in, in being part of that journey, being part of that change, which we are proud to be part of that, not only uh, as HP, but as part of you know, our mainstream green initiative. This is a big reason why all of us play a part in not only consuming this coffee, but just telling the story, because I think the story on its own teaches a lot to anyone out there who's listening to our, our conversation. Mm -hmm. I mean, we um, we use the example a lot of uh, the Finnish uh, dishwasher brand and how mm. uh, they really put a lot of effort into convincing people that you don't have to rinse before you put it in the dishwasher. You save a ton of money, you save um, water, which is critical to the environment, but you, your dishes also uh, come out just as clean. And so that 
is um, another great example of how you frame a sustainability story around what are already core drivers um, of choice in the category. Brad, I just want to follow up with a question for you on on leadership, marketing leadership and all this, and, and literally what is the role of the CMO and all this. I, I just think given your experience and everybody on this call, you know, on this uh, podcast call, uh, experience, there needs to be a focus again on the leadership imperative and, and literally how CMOs need to be having conversations in the C-suite about this, who they need to be partnering with, um, where they need to get buy-in, and honestly, where they need to be looking beyond just uh, you know, the brand marketing priorities and the narrative building, you know, supply chain, as, as Jose mentioned, I mean, that's just, that's territory that historically, and R&D and, and product development, I mean, that is all territory that we always talk about, you know, scope creep in terms of the CMO's role. But man, when we talk about this, um, it has to be there, it seems. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. You've heard me talk about um, the CMO more today being the chief collaboration officer than anything else because she is required to work horizontally across the organization, probably more so than any other C-level um, position, probably with the exception of the CHRO. And um, the sustainability agenda is a very important part of marketing because um, the CMO is the advocate for the consumer and the voice of the consumer in the organization. and. Like many things, I think um, sometimes there's a proclivity of big organizations to really become insular and think about it in their, in their own context as opposed to in the consumer context. And I think um, that's where you get into a lot of trouble. And we have seen a lot of stories very recently about brands who have positioned themselves to be sustainable, quote unquote, but consumers very quickly call that out. Um, and the demands from, from consumers in terms of transparency and in terms of, um, uh, of authenticity have never been greater. And so as we think about sustainability, the CMO plays a critical role in kind of driving um, what the company needs to do from a sustainability perspective in order to satisfy the consumer expectation. Um, I also think that we are very, very quickly going to be in many categories in a situation where we are regulated to be there. It will not be surprising to me at all if in food and beverage, as one example, in the next two to five years, certain jurisdictions around the world are going to require greenhouse gas emissions to be labeled on the product, for instance. I mentioned the company uh, Planet Forward um, earlier, they are staking their business strategy on, on that, that from either a regulatory point of view or uh, from a, just a consumer demand point of view, greenhouse gas emissions are going to be labeled on products. I think that's coming pretty quickly. The CMO has to drive an understanding of that in the organization. And to Jose's point earlier, think about it in a holistic way uh, across the entire supply chain um, and be able to articulate in a cons in consumer language, not corporate language, how, um, how our, the products and services offered by big companies deliver on, on the sustainability agenda. 
Any other thoughts, uh, Lauren, Jose, uh, or Brad, anything we haven't addressed here that you'd love to add? I, I think just one last thing building on this to close this topic would be achieving supply chain transparency requires using a technique that I love and that I speak uh, greatly about, which is co-creation, which is involving people in the storytelling. When you involve people in the storytelling, you get a higher sense of commitment to do the right thing and celebrate the right thing. And uh, there's another case study that we've talked about in the past, and, and, and you guys have seen this, probably the audience, maybe they haven't, which is around you know showing where actually coffee comes from. And Nescafe has been a brand that has been showing this for more than five years very effectively. And just by telling the story of those 20,000 coffee farming families that they have across Latin America through their packaging has enabled people to understand not only where the product comes from, how it's grown, how it's taken care of, but also Nescafe as a brand, how it creates a life of prosperity for all of these coffee farming families across Latin America with the utmost, uh, utmost success. And I think uh, in creating marketing effectiveness, uh, supply chain transparency to me is a key ingredient on how a CMO should be looking at telling stories in the future for any brand out there, because that transparency automatically automatically drives credibility and commitment at the same time from the audience that they are trying to reach. Yeah, and it's connecting those dots, right? And building it into the narrative, exactly. which I think is just um, so powerful, so powerful. Exactly. Well, listen... Go ahead, Lauren. Well, there's a couple other things on, on my mind, too, perhaps a little bit out of sequence, but in case helpful for our overall podcast, was just to restate what we think the key steps are to drive this massive consumer change and close the gap between what consumers say and what they do so that we can support our collective climate ambitions. I think about that as understanding consumers' core needs, de-averaging their drivers of choice, and then innovating to remove those real barriers, and then marketing and communicating where we can remove perceived barriers. And we need all of that across the value chain to truly deliver the impact of mainstream green and make sustainability a growth strategy. Fantastic. The other thing I wanted to say if it's an okay opportunity, is just to go back to your question on the CMO Sustainability Accelerator and why we're so excited about it. BCG is highly committed to climate and sustainability, both to walk the talk. We have an SBTI validated target to cut our emissions in half by 2025 and to achieve net zero climate impact by 2030. We're actually the only global management consulting firm to receive an A rating in the 2021 CDP climate disclosure as well, and also to support our clients. Right? Climate and sustainability consulting is the fastest growing topic across all areas of BCG's business. In addition, of course, we focus on growth strategy and a differentiated understanding of drivers of consumer choice. And the CMO Sustainability Accelerator is an awesome opportunity to put all of that together. We really believe there is a ton we can do together with Mainstream Green. Wonderful. I, thank you so much, Lauren. And, and thank you, Jose and Brad. Um, this has been a really fantastic conversation unpacking this priority and really understanding, um, you know, really giving direction to marketers as they move forward and understanding why this is such an imperative for them. Um, thank you so much. Um, for those who want to um, check it out, Mainstream Green is an incredible uh, resource. Um, 
Thank you all for being here today. And I look forward to talking with you again. Thanks, Jenny. Thank Pleasure you. to be here, Jenny. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Brath. Have a great day. Take care. Thank you for listening to CMO Moves, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Al Manorino, executive produced by John Heil, and edited by Lane McGibbony at Boutwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all Adweek podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcasts at adweek.com. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.